I know we all got different ages, different height, different hair color, different color eyes, different experiences. And yet, aren't we all alike in one way? None of us can stand and look our God in the eye without the blood of our Savior. We're all alike. Well, far short of God's glory. Now, while we're all the same in that regard, just as Ron was mentioning in the prayer, we still have those differences with regard to sin. You see, some of us, we generally live, and I say generally because we all sin, we generally live for the Lord and and are faithful unto death. Kind of like that rich young ruler when he says... None of these things have I been guilty of. In fact, all of these things I've done since my youth. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbors. Since my youth. You have individuals that struggle with certain sins and others, they have no problem with those kinds of sins. And the very ones that don't have a problem with those kinds of flesh, if you will, have the kind of problem that we have with the brother here we're going to talk about. Jesus, when he came and he was eating among sinners and tax collectors, many of the, the scribes and Pharisees would shake their heads. And Jesus was saying, you know, I didn't come to heal those who are well. I came to heal the sick, those who needed a physician. It's like the difference between that, that Pharisee that was praying to God and that sinner that was praying to God. Where you have one is praying up to God. I'm thankful that I'm not like that guy right next to me, full of sin. And you got the one full of sin saying, please be merciful to me. We're different. So when we were looking at two weeks ago, this parable of the prodigal son. I think oftentimes when we look at this parable, we focus on the prodigal son as if that's the main story. Did you know that that's not the main story? I mean, let's let's kind of do a real quick review. We're familiar with the prodigal son. In fact, when the parable is given, that's usually what we're focused on. So we, we look at this young man and goes off and squanders this inheritance money that he was given, as the brother had said, you know, with, with harlots. He just goes and lives whatever he wants. So we, we see that lifestyle and we see the, the rock bottom that he hits and how he goes back to his father and what have you. And we know then the lesson of forgiveness. I mean, even Ron from, from knowing that parable, saying that we would have the spirit like God, a forgiving spirit. And there's no doubt that's a lesson in this parable. We looked at it two weeks ago. But while we know these lessons and we are familiar with the story, what we sometimes forget, if not most of us, is the main reason for the parable. Did you realize there was a reason for the parable? I want you to look at the beginning of chapter 15 so that we get an understanding very clearly from the beginning the purpose of this parable. It says in verse 1 of chapter 15, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. 
And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Can you imagine? Come to church. And just so happened, here is Jerry sitting in front and you got all the, the local sinners. Everyone who has a great reputation, everyone knows. Why is Jerry sitting with them? He's the preacher. He's supposed to be holy and pure and what have you. He's sitting with sinners. In fact, it says that Jesus was receiving them and eating with them. Do you know that when, and I was talking to Phil yesterday when we were talking about the songs for the, the lesson. I said one of the main things about food in the Bible is it has a close association with fellowship. That is why in Second John, when you read verse 11... If anyone brings this doctrine, this doctrine that is against Christ, contrary to Christ, don't greet him or eat with him. Here's Jesus receiving and eating, the very opposite of 2 John verse 11. And so these Pharisees and these scribes are seeing Jesus with these sinners, eating with them, having fellowship from a standpoint of a close association, not fellowship with sin, but that close association. Jesus understanding their hearts, understanding their mind, knowing that maybe while on the outside everything looks good and they look righteous, they've got issues to deal with. So he gives them these two parables to begin with, and then this third that we're talking about this morning. You've got that parable, if you will, of the lost sheep, where the shepherd goes out and seeks the one who is lost that it would be found. And then rejoices. And then you have this parable of the lost coin where this woman has, has her money but loses one coin. And goes all through the house looking for that lost coin and then rejoices when that coin is found. That's the lesson that the brother needed to learn. That's the lesson when someone is lost... And living in sin and comes to their senses and returns like we read two weeks ago. There's a good reason for rejoicing. The thing is, some of us may be just like the Pharisees and the scribes. Where we live faithfully to God overall. Yes, we're all guilty of sin. We all fall short of his glory. But, you know, for the most part, I live for the Lord. And why can't you? Why do you have to live such an ungodly lifestyle? And then when you come back, everyone is happy. No one threw a party for me for living righteously before God. I mean, Phil, did you get a party for living faithfully for God? And yet we rejoice or we see God rejoicing over one who comes back to him. So this is the lesson I believe that we need to learn if we haven't already done so, brethren. And I pray this will bless us. So... As Paul Harvey said, let's look at the rest of the story. See, when we read verse 25 following, here's the person, and, and Luke describes it as he had been in the field. We're going to assume because he's a faithful son, he was working. Just like the songs we, we sang, there's work to do in the kingdom, right? There's room in the kingdom for such workers. Well, verse 25 tells us he was in the field. And in the field, he hears this noise. 
he hears singing and dancing. I don't know how you hear dancing, but I understand the phrase. <laughs> it's an idiomatic expression. So you know that there's some festivity going on, and he's wanting to know, what is this all about? He's so busy at work, he didn't realize a party had been started, and he wasn't there. So, likely he'd been working. He hears this music and dancing, and as a result, he gets one of the servants and asks him, well, what is this all about? The servant says, your brothers come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf, and everyone is rejoicing. That's what you're hearing. That's the reason for this music and this dancing. And you would think, I would like to think that you would think, <laughs> that you think, wow, my brother's come home. My brother who had been away, one who had left his father and, and squandered himself with, if we can assume that he got the rest of that story, and now he's come back. How wonderful. Now, if I were to take a poll, I wonder if without getting the background and without looking at the reason for the parable, how many of us would be just like this big brother? I wonder what the numbers would be. One percent. Ninety nine percent. What would what would it be? Would there be all of us in this room rejoicing over someone who's come back? Or would we be like the older son? Not only asking for the reason, but finding out. Here's your brother. He's come and your father's killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. That's the reason for rejoicing. Well, when the brother or the older son heard that, it says he was angry. And I think if I speak only from the flesh, he'd be justified. I mean, here you are for all these years that you live in service to your father, your brother's living the squanderous lifestyle. Would that upset you? It would upset me. So, yeah, I can relate to the big or older brother. I'm living in faithful servants, toiling for my father while my brother goes off and wastes all that had been given to him. I've never been disobedient to my father. You know, well, I've never been disobedient. My brother has. And there'd been no party for me. Yeah, from a fleshly standpoint, I can really relate to the brother. I'd probably be one of those raising the hand in, in the poll. Probably be like him. That's the flesh. And I want to ask you, knowing that God had given you, and whoever you are, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Specifically you. <laughs> what has God done for you? Have you ever counted your blessings? Have you ever stopped to think what all God has given to you? Because you cannot even qualify, let alone quantify, all that God has given to you. Stop and think about this faithful brother. What did his father give him? Every day he had a roof over his head. Every day he was able to eat under his father's roof. Every day he had the blessings of protection from his father, sustenance from his father, and abundance of wealth from his father. That was his inheritance. In fact, as the older son, and 
maybe the oldest son. He'd gotten half of his father's inheritance. He had everything you could have ever asked for. It's always that when we look at things from our perspective, we look at what we don't have. That's the selfishness that comes out from us, isn't it? Last night, bless Dane's heart, he's sick, he's home not doing well. But last night, it was his bedtime. Go figure, every day there's a bedtime. And he got sad. He had to go to bed. I said, son, you got to stay awake the whole day. And you get to do it again tomorrow. If God allows you to live, you get to wake up and enjoy the day. And guess what? You're even blessed to get rest now. So go have some. A child doesn't think that way, apparently. <laughs> I was also like, would you please tell me to go to bed? <laughs> but, you know, we, we look at things and the grass is always greener on the other side. We always look at what we don't have. That's the, the selfish part of ourselves. And even this faithful brother was selfish. Couldn't see all that was given to him and then would recount, here's what I have done. Look at how good I am. And there was no party for me. By the way, those of you who want to have parties, maybe we can have a party for being faithful. <laughs> That'll make some feel better. He didn't get it. He didn't get the overall picture of compassion, forgiveness, graciousness. That the father was, was extending to his brother. He just didn't get it. And many times we don't get it as well. Many times we'll have a brother or a sister in Christ living in sin. Just like this parable. And I have known preachers. And I have known elders. And I have known deacons. And I have known um, Bible class teachers among the saints. And I've just known brethren who over the years have told me of their life, of how they live this way, like the prodigal son. And have returned, and when having returned, they'd be brethren that will give them hugs and love and rejoice. But there's a number of older brothers in the midst. Many that are just shaking their head like, oh, Why? Why couldn't you have just been faithful to God? Like me. And this is difficult. A difficult lesson for those who have this mindset. Because there's, there's got to be a, a parallel understanding. There's got to be not only sympathy, because maybe you don't live the way this brother or sister has lived, but there needs to be empathy from the standpoint we all fall short of God's glory. We all need the infinite mercy grace of our God, right? I mean... Who here does not ever feel overwhelmed with what God has given you? And if you've never felt overwhelmed with what God has blessed you with, you'll never get this lesson. You'll never understand. And you'll need to learn the true lesson of what God has done for you. You need to learn that. So here's the thing. When the servant tells him all that he has, and he comes back with an angry reaction, as a result of his angry action, he does the very opposite of his father. The father who receives his son and throws a party is not like the, son, the uh, older son who refused to go in and rejoice and receive his brother. 
What does the Bible teach us? You know, if I say to you, I love God, but I have hatred for you, what does it make me? A liar? A sinner? I mean, we can read First John. That's exactly what it says there. Here's someone who returns to the Lord and we refuse to go in and celebrate. To rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And so when we read that the parable of, of the lost sheep, was there great rejoicing over the sheep that had been found? And when there's no sin, when you actually go out and look for a lost sheep, then there's no morality to finding that sheep. But isn't there great rejoicing when you find something you've lost? I lose stuff every single day. I guess that that's the reason why I'm so happy all the time. <laughs> when I find it. I mean, one minute I have my video camera so we can do video, but I lose the cord to recharge the thing. I find the cord and I... Where's the camera? I found it last night. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things when, when there's no morality. Don't we get happy when we find stuff that we've been, that's been lost for a while? Well, how much more than when there is morality involved? When there are people's lives and souls involved, shouldn't there be even more rejoicing? And if we can rejoice over a coin, well, if you're poor, money is very important that you can have food for the day. Yeah, I can see rejoicing. It's fitting to rejoice. You lose your sheep, it's fitting to rejoice when they're found. And when your brother or your sister comes back to the Lord, brethren, it is fitting 100% of the time to rejoice. It is fitting. That's the lesson that Jesus wanted these Pharisees and scribes who are just like the older brother in this parable to understand and to learn. I believe it's the reason why Luke, when writing to Theophilus, about this very parable. He could have chosen anything else, but he chose to write these things down in this time. I believe because there would be brothers and sisters in Christ who are just like the scribes and Pharisees that needed to learn the same lesson. And 2,000 years later, there are brothers and sisters in Christ that need to learn this lesson. This is a great lesson. If we don't learn this lesson, then we'll never understand the Father's reply. Here's the reply that he gives. After hearing the brother's lesson, he comes out and entreats his son. Okay? So first, you're throwing a party for your son to come back. And now, while you're doing that, you've got to go take care of your other son, who's got this mindset that has nothing to do with his brother. And he entreats his brother and tells his brother of the reason for that. Further, he has to listen to his son's complaints. His complain, uh, complainings, if you will. Those complaints that his father says, that's just not the way you're supposed to receive your brother. You may feel this way and it may be a natural feeling, but that's not the feeling you should be having. Instead, here's what I want you to have. You know, in our Proverbs class with the teenagers, and by the way, I remember now, so I'm going to give the plug today. <laughs> if you didn't get your article from last week on Proverbs 32 article, there were more that were printed out, and I had it on the table today, so hopefully you've gotten those. I'm really encouraged by our teenagers writing those Proverbs. 
get that it was only done in about 20 minutes. So they could have done even more amazements, if you will, if they had really been spending that time. But they collaborated their minds, came up with those Proverbs. We rejoice over those things. One of the Proverbs deals with love and compassion that we're studying on. It's fitting for the things that we're learning. If we are to understand the mind of God and to be molded in the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, then we'll learn the proverb that says love covers a multitude of sins. It is a spirit of forgiveness. That's what that means. And here's what the Father has done. Son, you messed up. But you came back. And we're throwing you a party. And that's what he wants his other son to get. Son, you are always with me. You know, for those who's preaching or teaching the Bible class on this parable, I want you to stop and think about this. If you ever teach a sermon or, or, or preach on this or lead a Bible class on this, because I, I was reading articles. It's as if the son has no fellowship with the father, the, old, the older brother that is. Son, you are always with me. There's continued fellowship between the father and the older brother. Even the older brother needs to learn. While you're always with me, all that is mine is yours. You have everything. It's given to you. So lest we judge our older brothers in the congregation here, we need to stop and think. The brother still has fellowship with the father. But he says it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. It was fitting for Jesus to sit down with the sinners, receive and eat with them. It was fitting. Why? Because it was an opportunity for those sinners who said, I now realize what I need. I've come to my senses. And that Jesus would eat with them and rejoice with them is a wonderful thing. It's not a matter of, well, I tell you what, I'm going to put you on trial. Brother, you show me. That you've been well behaved for the next uh, 40 days. That sounds like a good biblical number. 40 days. Prove yourself. And then I'll have fellowship with you. Then we can have the fatted calf. Is that what the father did? Waited 40 days. Father's more compassionate. Not even wait 40 hours. Son came home and rejoicing. There's a reason for this lesson, brethren. When you put your brethren on trial... That's not the fitting response. We hear of that, that phrase, you know, when someone sins against you 70 times, seven times, how often do you forgive them? Those many times, right? Yeah, but. My dad would say, yeah, but mushmack. <laughs> Don't give me the yeah and then the but with that. Just yes, it's fitting. It's always fitting. Is there going to be fruits worthy of repentance needed? Scripture makes that clear. But when that person comes back, you celebrate. You rejoice. That's what Jesus was teaching. That's what the son needed to learn about his younger brother. That it was fitting to rejoice with him. Your brother was dead. Was. Your brother is alive. He came back home to me. Let's rejoice. So I want to ask you, brethren, when, when it comes to your relationship with your brothers and your sisters in Christ, those who come back to the Lord, 
What's your reaction? You may have been busy in the field working for the Lord and not realizing that your brother was out squandering. And when you come, when he comes home and then you hear all this rejoicing going on, what's your reaction? Do you stop all the hard work that you've been doing? Take that sweat that you have and just stop everything and rejoice? Because it would be fitting. When it comes to sinners and tax collectors and, and everyone of the like, I want you to stop and think, is your mind like the father or like the brother? See, we need to be like the father in heaven. That's the way God is molding us and making us. He's making us more and more like him each day. And we become less and less like the younger son and less and less like the older son. And more and more like our father. Stop and think about that as we celebrate the fact that God has given us new and white robes. Every one of us He's given through His precious Son. And every one of us should rejoice in the Lord because we all have white robes. Not because we're so great ourselves. Because of the precious blood that cleanses us and gives us these white robes. That's an opportunity for you to rejoice right now.